All right, let's start by acknowledging that there are many things that trouble our hearts, that stir us up, that disturb us. Uh, change sometimes troubles our hearts. Why in the world uh, do I have to move to Northern Virginia? Why in the world is my job changing? Change, uh, conflict, troubles our hearts. When our schedule is oversubscribed, our hearts can get troubled. Uncertainty troubles our hearts. And maybe the ultimate heart troubler is death. The shadow of it is always hanging over us, not actively, but always in the background. And usually we grow more and more aware of it the older we get, although uh, some of us are very aware of it even when we're young. Every death we hear about echoes in our hearts and minds, reminding us of our own eventual death. It's a shadow. And it is sometimes uh, something we fear, even dread. Well, Jesus answers our fear in a conversation that he had with a group of his disciples sharing a profound truth with them and with us, and he laid down for us the most foundational truth, one of the foundational beliefs of the Christian faith, as I said. And it's a critically important truth for us uh, in facing our own troubled hearts. But also, as we think of sharing with others, as we think of discipling others, this is a truth that we must share. So I'm going to read from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, this conversation between Jesus and his disciples, and it's epic. So if you would, let's go old school, stand out of reverence for God's word, and we're going to read John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Just follow along with me as I read. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And Jesus is speaking specifically into the troubled heart. Uh, Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Look, if it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said, and I love Thomas, Thomas said to him, Lord, what? we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, you've seen him. You may be seated. Now, throughout human history, there's been a debate about eternity. Is it real? Is it true? Is it not true? And there was a debate in Jesus' day, and we should remember, Jesus didn't try to answer every question, but he answered this one, and he came down decidedly on the side of, yes, there is an eternity, there is a resurrection, and then his own resurrection proved the point. And just as importantly, we should remember, don't miss this, that in the resurrection, there will be an assessment, meaning after we die, God will assess us. I know I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard before, even if you've never been around a Christian church, or whether you grew up Catholic or Lutheran or non-denominational, whatever, you've heard about heaven and hell. What I I want to remind us of this morning is that Jesus also affirmed that idea in the strongest possible terms. Uh, Not just eternity, but that there would be an assessment. There would be a judgment and that heaven and hell 
would result from that. He spoke very directly about it, and he offered several illustrations about this truth. We will be assessed. Pause. Let's review to make sure we heard that. Heaven and hell exist, and Jesus affirmed that. They are part of reality as a whole. Here's what I mean by that. Our reality includes more than what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. In fact, time itself, which governs our lives, it's a product of creation. It is part of reality, but it's contained within the created order. That's why physicists talk about the time-space continuum. Have you heard that phrase before? Well, they're right. It's all tied together within God's created order, but God lives and operates both within and beyond the borders of his created order. And God invites us to be with him in the whole of reality. He invites us to be with him in eternity. So that raises a critically important question for us, doesn't it? How do we get there? (laughs) How do we we end up on the positive side of the assessment? And Jesus answered that question in this passage. So to help us understand this, let's just break down what Jesus said here into kind of five component parts. So five key important truths that lead us to the idea that, that Jesus is the way to the Father. Truth number one. This teaching is offered as a comfort to us. Remember, there are many things that can trouble our hearts. Death is one of them, maybe the primary one. At least it's the most persistent one throughout our lives. Well, Jesus' words here are meant as a comfort to our troubled hearts. And it is comforting. I met with someone recently who had lost a loved one uh, last year. And he began our conversation by saying, Ed, I want to believe this stuff. I want to believe they're in a better place. I want to believe that I can join them there. Help me, because I want to believe. And don't you understand that feeling? This is profoundly comforting. It's so comforting, in fact, that philosophers and psychologists over the years have accused us of making it up just to comfort ourselves. But we didn't make this up. We got this from Jesus. Now look, Jesus told us many things that were not comforting, but but this is is one thing that is profoundly so. And we would be well served to remember this truth and to teach, teach it to our disciples. I want you to listen to this paragraph uh, written by also by John in a letter to a group of his disciples, and he offers this truth. Pete, go to 1 John. Uh, 3, 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. This is the same author, John, writing later in his life. That we should be called children of God. That's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Listen to this. Dear friends, now that we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him we will see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Weird idea, but how does the comfort of this truth lead to purity? 
I'll, I'll let you think about that, but uh, we could say a lot. But I want to give you one example of how I think the comfort of knowing where we're going ultimately purifies us. I heard a psychologist say years ago, by the way, this psychologist was not a believer. I heard a psychologist say that uh, men think about inappropriate stuff and they look at inappropriate stuff because they're afraid of death. It makes them feel alive. It makes them feel young. But we don't need to be, we don't need to be afraid of death. That frees us to live purer lives. Something better awaits us, a welcoming, a homecoming, a, a place for us. And that belief purifies us. This teaching offers us comfort. Second, second key truth from this passage we ought to get that leads us to the ultimate truth. The point of the exercise, the main thing that Jesus is getting at here, and the counterpoint to our troubled hearts is belief. That's what Jesus is after, that we believe in him, that we trust in him. Trust in God, he said, or believe. Trust also, or believe also in me. This is the real point of Jesus' teaching. This is the whole point of our lives, really. And if you read this entire section from John chapter 14, you will see he sounds the note of belief over and over again. He wants us to believe. And our belief in him is the counterpoint to our troubled hearts. So often, we, when our hearts get troubled, we grasp for so many things. And the counterpoint to our troubled hearts is belief in him. Third, I want you to notice Jesus equates himself with the Father. Look at it. Believe in God, believe also in me. I want you to notice how offhanded this comment is, how assumptional. And this is a small part of where we get that whole idea of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that we just read about in the Nicene Creed, the Trinity. We'll say more about that next week. Fourth key idea, eternity is real. Look at verses 2 and 3. It's a place of warmth. Look how Jesus describes it as a home. In my Father's house, Jesus said, there are many rooms. Secondly, it's a place where we are welcomed. It's prepared for us. Third, Jesus will come back and take us there. Now look, we all know to the skeptic, this sounds like a figment of our imagination, but I don't think it is. Jesus repeatedly affirmed this set of ideas. So if all of this is true, this leads to our conclusion, how do we get there? How do we end up on the good side of eternity? And he gives us the answer in verses 4 through 7. You know the way, the place I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know. Jesus said, I'm the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to get there. We don't get there except through Jesus. We must believe in Jesus. And what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the way to the Father? Does it mean that Jesus is the way like, like a map? Like, how do I get to Reston? Well, you go down Route 50, take 28, maybe McLaren over to Fairfax County Parkway, left on Fairfax County Parkway, uh, down to Reston. Is, is that what it means? We... we, we follow Jesus like a map. We, we go where Jesus went. Is, is this what it means? Jesus prayed, so we should pray. Jesus had no belongings, so we should have no belongings. Does it mean that? Well, no. It means much more than that. 
I think that's part of the reason why Jesus riffs on this a bit. He doesn't just say, I'm the way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, does it mean that Jesus is the way like, like he's an example for us? Like here, think about the best way, the best way to boil an egg. You can look that up on YouTube and you'll get some examples. Or think about the best way to cut down a tree. You can, you can follow the example of an expert. In other words, Jesus is the way and that he's an example for us. So we should be the kind of person Jesus was and, and then we'll get to eternity. He was gentle, so we should be gentle. He withdrew from crowds, so we should withdraw from crowds. Is this what it means that Jesus is the way? No. Again, it's much more than that. Again, the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. What this really means is that Jesus is the way to the Father, don't miss this, in the sense that he's, he's the prerequisite pass or, or he's the means of entry. Uh, I don't, did you see the movie Minority Report a few years ago, science fiction movie with Tom Cruise? At one point in the movie, this isn't really a spoiler alert, don't worry. At one point in the movie, Tom Cruise needed to break into a lab for reasons that I won't explain. And the lab was protected by uh, biometrics. So he needed a literal, sorry, he needed an eyeball of someone who was an uh, employee in the lab in order to gain entry. And that's what he did. I won't explain. Watch the movie. But he got an eyeball and he went to the eyeball reader. He held the eyeball up and the door opened for him because he had the, he had the means of entry. He had, the, he had the pass. Jesus is like that. We need the character of Jesus in order to enter into eternity with God. We need the rightness of Jesus. We need the righteousness of Jesus in order to enter. When we are assessed in eternity, we need God to see Jesus and not us. And that's what happens when we put our faith in him. He takes our sin. He takes our mess, and we get his righteousness. We get his character. We get to show God the eyeball. If you'll permit me, I'm going to offer an explanation from a Chinese pastor, Watchman Nee, that I've used before here at Gateway, but it's, it's the most thorough explanation of this that I know of. And to explain this, he goes to uh, Romans chapter 8. Follow me here if you would, and we'll end with this. Um, first of all, I want you to notice that when I, if I drop this shoe, see my shoe? If I drop this shoe, or if I just let go of this shoe, if I, if, I, if I don't hold it, if I let go of it, this shoe is going to fall to the floor. And it happens every single time. It never misses. Every time I let go of this shoe, it falls to the floor. The same thing with my glasses. No matter what I hold up here, if I let it go, it falls to the floor. Because scientists have taught us about the law of gravity. And the law of gravity works all the time, everywhere in the universe. If I let go of this, no, if I'm on Mars, if I'm on some uh, exoplanet that we've seen through a telescope uh, thousands of light years away, if I let go of my shoe, it will fall to the surface of the planet. In order for the shoe to remain suspended in air without me holding it, 
The law of gravity must be suspended. Because the law of gravity is always satisfied. Everywhere, all the time. Gravity is satisfied. In the same way, when we sin, we die. That's one of the first things God told us. When we sin, we die. It's a law. The Apostle Paul calls it a law, calls it a law in Romans chapter 8. He calls it the law of sin and death. And when we sin, we die, and unfortunately, all of us have sinned. Again, the Bible calls this the law of sin and death. Listen to this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That means we don't get negatively assessed if we're in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, look at this. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death says, whenever I sin, I die. I'm separated from God now and for eternity. When I escape the created order, I am still profoundly separated from God, living in eternal death. But if I'm in Christ Jesus, somehow the shoe floats in midair. I, I live eternally connected to God. How is that the case? And Paul explains it here. He says, the law of the spirit of life. In other words, it's not just the spirit that sets us free. It's the law of the spirit. I'll explain in a second. I'll use Watchman Nee's analogy. It sets us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law, Moses' law, all, your to-do list, what that couldn't accomplish because it was Weakened by the flesh. We couldn't get it done. God did. God accomplished it. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned our sin because Jesus became our sin. He condemned it. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. This is how Watchman Nee explained it. This is awesome. So Watchman Nee said, I want you to imagine you hold up a plank of wood. If you drop that wood, to the, if you let go of that wood, it's going to fall and hit the sand. Let's say you're on the beach. And you can hold that piece of wood for a long time. And some of you have a profound self-will and you're stronger than the rest of us you could you can maybe hold that wood out for hours but eventually you're going to tire for one you're going to fall asleep eventually and you will let go and that wood will fall and hit the sand everywhere in the universe this will happen and no matter how strong your self-will is no matter how strong your governance of your own life is, eventually that wood, you will let it go and it will fall and hit the sand. And Watchman Nee said, but I want you to imagine that you're out in a lake waist deep and you're holding the wood up and you're holding the wood up and you're holding the wood up and you can't do it any longer, you can't hold your life up any longer. And finally you let go, you're exhausted. But the wood doesn't hit the sand because of the law of buoyancy. The law of buoyancy keeps the wood above the water. The law of buoyancy sets the wood free from the law of gravity. It never hits the sand. And in the same way, 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So we literally float suspended in midair now and for eternity. We experience God because we're set free from the law of sin and death. No longer for us do we sin and die. Now we sin, but we experience grace and forgiveness, and our sin is absorbed in him. It was put on him. And what we need to do to allow that to happen and to receive his righteousness instead is to believe in him. I read an article a number of years ago by, uh, uh, in, in Christianity Today by a Romanian woman named Vivian Prodan. Because remember, Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the means of entry. All that separates us from God, all that prevents us from being with him eternally, Jesus takes that on himself. And he offers us his character. He offers us his eyeball, his entry pass. And all we have to do is believe it. Listen to this uh, uh, article uh, about Vivian Prodan. Uh, Vivian Prodan was born in communist Romania under the brutal totalitarian regime of Nicolae Ceausescu place where questioning a government directive could lead to imprisonment, physical torture, and death. The best way to avoid trouble was to remain silent and try to blend in. After graduating from college, she went to law school and became an attorney. Vivian writes this in a book about her life. One evening, a client came in to discuss some paperwork. He radiated joy and peace without thinking. I confessed, I wish I had your sense of peace and happiness. He asked, "Uh, do you go to church? Uh, Yes, I replied, "On, on Christmas and Easter. Why? He said, uh, would you like to come with me to my church this Sunday? The next Sunday I visited his church and the pastor read John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. I couldn't believe what I heard. Someone was claiming to be the way and the truth. I felt as though the verses he shared were written specifically for me. For the first time in my life, everything made sense. I accepted the pastor's invitation to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. And from that moment on, I would dedicate my life to pursuing and speaking the truth and the way, no matter the cost. Vivian began defending fellow Christians facing imprisonment for transporting Bibles across the Romanian border, sharing their faith, or worshiping privately in their homes. And this quickly made her a target. Many days, her tires were slashed. She was kidnapped, bullied, pushed in, into moving traffic, beaten by the secret police. However, the greatest test was yet to come. Uh, She writes this, late at night, my legal assistant peeked into my doorway. A big man in the waiting room says he wants to discuss a case. That's all he will tell me. I was taken aback at how enormous he was as he sat down in front of my desk. A sneer formed at the corner of his mouth. And slowly, he reached into his shoulder holster, drawing a gun. He aimed his gun at me and said, you have failed to heed the warnings you've been given, and I've come here to finish the matter once and for all. And I heard a distinct click. I'm here to kill you. I was alone with my killer, and yet I was not alone. I began silent, fervent prayers, recalling God's promises. His spirit breathed peace into my panicked heart. Then I sensed his message, share the gospel. I knew that behind those hate-filled eyes, he had an immortal soul, and he needed to know about the love God has shown in Jesus Christ at once emboldened I asked, have you ever asked yourself, why do I exist? Or what's the meaning of my life? Or what's the way forward? 
He slid his gun back into his holster. Vivian leaned forward. You are here because God put you here. And he has put you to a test. Will you abide in God or in the will of a man? President Ceausescu. His eyes softened. She continued, Hebrews 9, 7 says, people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. But the good news is that God has prepared a way for every one of us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. As she continued to talk with him, he appeared more peaceful. Finally, he said, you're right. The people who sent me here are crazy. I think I need Christ. He promised, I will come to your church as a secret brother in Christ. I will worship your powerful God. And with that, my killer walked away saved, a brother in Christ. He went on to enroll in seminary, and we have even kept in touch. He, like me, has found the way and the truth, and neither of us will be afraid to speak it ever again. So I have to ask, have you, have you found the way? Have you believed in Jesus? Or is there someone for you with whom you need to share this truth? Let's pray. I want you to uh, just be in prayer for a minute and let's allow um, God to stir. We're doing several baptisms today. We are baptizing uh, two young people in our 11 o'clock service and after the service today we're baptizing uh, an adult and two teenagers. These people have made this decision to put their trust fully in Jesus and because of that they've been given an eyeball. <laughs> they know the way. If you have never made this decision, you can do that this morning. Whether you're 9 or 90, if you're feeling God stirring in your heart, I want you to silently pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I want to know you. I know that I've, I've uh, messed up and I've, I've sinned. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. I have violated my own conscience, much less what you require of me. And I ask that you forgive me, that you take my sin and give me your rightness. I ask that you come in and save me and, and capture my heart. I want to live for you, and from now on, I want to grow in you. Help me to trust you and help me to follow you as a believer. others of us, keep praying, others of us need to think of someone this morning with whom we need to share this truth. This is what the Bible calls the gospel. I want you to grab a person, maybe two, in your mind right now, and let's pray for them. They need to know this. Maybe they're like Vivian. Or maybe, maybe they're even like Vivian's killer. Their heart has hardened and uh, they're angry. 
The gospel has penetrated past harder cases, I promise you. Let's pray for them now.